Hello and welcome to the Challenging University podcast with me, your host, Tony Kent. Now, what does it mean to really grab life by the horns and to follow your passion over tradition? And how do you cope with a life-changing diagnosis? Mark Webb is today's guest and he's a multi-award winning public speaker and disability advocate with an incredible story to tell. In our conversation, he shares the value of being a ski bum and what he learned from travel repping, why he dropped out of uni off the back of a job ad on a poster, how he came to chaperone Michael Jackson at Disneyland Paris, the events that led to his MS diagnosis and how his experiences with his employer and colleagues became the beginning of his speaking career, the lessons we all need to learn as employers and colleagues when someone shares their diagnosis and why it's so important to be one of the good guys. We also talk about how Mark helped his CEO at Dixon's to become the most followed FTSE 100 leader on Twitter, as was, without a scandal. Let's go. Hello, Mark. Hello. That is a good, like, positive start to the podcast. Indeed. Thank you for agreeing to come on Challenging University. I was introduced to you by... A previous guest and a good friend of mine, Julie, who said you must speak to Mark, but for no the question. listeners today and the listeners to come, could you please share your full name and what it is that you do today for work? Yes. So um, my name is Mark Webb. Um, I am medically retired. Um, here uh, on the screen, um, you can see a, well, a sort of 21-year-old white chap who's five. <laughs> Um, actually, below the screen is a wheelchair, and I'll. This will be a first on your podcast. I'm going to flash my um, suprapubic catheter, so I wee out of my tummy um, yeah. because I've got multiple sclerosis. So nowadays, um, I make money out of public speaking yeah. about all things disability and diversity. And yeah. um, disability and MS advocacy, which is talking to um, pharmaceuticals and neurologists and specialists about all things disability and pills and injections and chemotherapy and nonsense like that. Well, I mean, I don't know, nonsense. Wow, 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 wow. So you are educating, entertaining, uh, informing. Wasn't that what uh, public service broadcast is supposed to do? Educate, inform, entertain, and you do... Well, something like that, yes. Uh, there's, there's, a, um, there's, there's a move against it being inspiring when you're... you're um, you're disabled just because we get out of bed and smile and make jokes that's not really inspiring by itself but I do try and portray the positive side of life and life with a disability um, through humor and um, usually bad joke humor um, <laughs> openness and that kind of thing. So in terms of inspirational and informational, I just try and put light on, on tough subjects. Yeah, nice. And if we were to go back to your school days, which is something that I do with all of my guests, what was it like when you were at secondary school? Would you have any idea that this would be what you were doing today? Well, no. Um, so, well, so first of all, 
school was a breeze. I was, I'm afraid I was one of those annoying chaps. <laughs> um, I was head boy at the top grammar school. I was yeah. captain of rugby. I got all wow. the girls and yeah. I didn't really have to work very hard to get decent A-levels. Um, right. Now, the upshot of that was because I had it all on a plate for me and never really had to work hard to do anything, mm. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Ah, okay, because everything because I'd always yeah oh yeah yeah well I'll I'll win at rugby then today yeah get the girl tomorrow and yeah myself under the table the next day so I I, yeah so I didn't know what I was doing and when you did your A levels where where did you channel your focus then given that you've got sporting academia world at your feet what did you choose um, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm that old, I can't remember. Hold on, I did French mm-hmm. um, and English literature and German and this dodgy one called general studies, which was a get out <laughs> one that you know, some, some, somehow I got an A in. Okay, so, I mean, good breath there, languages. Um, yes, lang- languages was my skill. And this wasn't was te- was teeing you up for uni um, um uh, yes possibly was it? um but um i i was one of those ones who took a year out and that turned into two years out let's and talk think, about that then yeah what happened <laughs> why um because i was having so much fun and and at the time um um uh, my purpose in life was to have fun mm-hmm. which i don't think is such a bad thing but um, I ended up went from ski bum. There was a, there was a famous book in the well, famous a, a well known book in the eighties called um, "How to Find a Job in a Ski a Ski Job in Europe." Um, and I turned up with this book in Mary Bell as yep. a ski bum. And um, halfway through the season, or quarter away through the season, I saw an advert in the pub um, for a transfer rep, as a one, as in one of those ones who goes down to the airport with the clipboard and tries to sell you ski passes on the bus, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And yeah. um, within a few weeks, uh, I had got a call saying, um, "Love your work." Um, the guy in Avoriaz is overwhelmed. We've got loads of bookings. Can you go and be a full-time rep in Avoriaz? So I ended right. up doing two years of ski and holiday repping in the French and Swiss Alps and Gran Canaria. Right. And what did you um, learn from that experience? Um, that... I was very happy in front of a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> that um, I liked girls. Yeah. And I wanted an international career. Awesome. And and I ask you that. It's funny. I was watching a program last night, League of Their Own, and Jamie Vardy, footballer, was a guest. And he said his dream job 
fact, despite the fact he is a professional footballer, was to be a rep. He wanted to be a rep. Um, yeah. It was, it was, it was, uh, there's not as many of them now because uh, travel's gone a little bit independent and mm. a bit away from, um, I worked for Ingham's and then Thompson's and they okay. still, both still exist. I mean, Thompson's is now Tui, but um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think there's, I think there's less chance for Jamie Vardy to get a rep job now. <laughs> oh, oh dear. I just had a flashback to going to Falaraki. Um so I would have loved to have a microphone on one of those tour buses though. Oh that... my god. Yeah, it was just it was just brilliant. And yeah, I, I it was a dream job for an 18-year-old to be yeah. just charming people, not just girls, but just you know, families and everybody yeah. and uh, making bad jokes and yeah. selling silly excursions and tobogganing and and skiing on my days off and oh, wonderful yeah. wonderful start to life yeah so um you've done that what yes. is it that made what made you come home and decide to go to uni I think kind of the pressure that not the pressure the expectation both from my not particularly detailed career chats at school but mm -hmm. my family and particularly my granddad it was he he had been a he had he was Irish he had come over um joined the navy in sort of 1937 mm -hmm. served through the war mm -hmm. and stayed in the navy until about 1947 so a couple of years after the second world war had started mm -hmm. sorry finished and then became a police officer for the rest of his life right that two generations prior to mine it was kind of a one or two job life yeah everybody just yeah. did one thing and he just wanted me to go to university and I felt the not undue pressure I was intending to go to university I was having just too much fun to get there before two years of snoggage yeah <laughs> and did your was it your granddad thought university would open the world up to you or give you a a, a high ranking career in the professions Did yeah I think it was the impression that um I I, I would definitely do better and have mm. more opportunities um mm. should I go to university and okay. and I think for a lot of people that can be the case but not for everyone mm. and what did you choose to study French Oh, Trebian, sorry. Um, <laughs> and talk to me about the university experience then, because you have a story around this. Um, well, yes. So, uh, well, one, uh, I I feel that two years out was a, a wonderful mistake, mm -hmm. as in I was very happy with it, but turning up at university probably either, probably 21 Mm. as opposed to 18 or 19 for those who'd taken one year out uh, was tough actually so I was a different kettle of fish to um, a lot of the people there um, mm. but um, I just didn't engage with university because I was still having I was fun mode as opposed <laughs> to this will this will change your life for and you'll become a 
CEO. Um, so I had had that for two years with a suntan. Yeah. <laughs> this time I was at Manchester University. My main lecture was at 9am on a Thursday and I didn't tend to get up until midday and then watch, um, um, not Countdown, what was the programme? Oh, what, what a quiz show and Neighbours at lunchtime. I just, I, no, I, 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 I continued my career of um, chasing alcohol and girls and um, just didn't do it. And um, <laughs> I'm ashamed to say the second year, mm. I took the whole winter out term out to be a ski rep and they didn't <laughs> this. They did not pick up that I wasn't there. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, um, so then then um, uh, the uh, language degree, you then spend your year, your third year out mm -hmm. abroad. And um, that was 1992, which mm -hmm. happened to be the opening of a certain theme park east of Paris run by oh. Mickey Mouse. Oh, right. Did you so, work there, Mark? Is this, where, I, is this where we're going? <laughs> this is where I'm going, yes. So wow. I I joined there, and I think because of my ski rep or a holiday rep experience, I kind of became a posh rep for all the celebrities and um, VIPs who were visiting in the first year. Wow. So I uh, looked after... Um, you might have heard of this guy, Michael Jackson. Yes, I am aware of his work. Right. Yes. Um, wow. And, and of course, you know, later on, he was a little bit um, uh, wrapped up in scandal. Um, mm. But at the time in the 90s, it was the three questions I was guaranteed to get. He was in my car for three days. Yeah. Long time. Um, it was, um, does he, uh, is... Um, uh, bubbles the chimpanzee with him no right <laughs> um, does he sleep in an oxygen tent no mm -hmm. has he had plastic surgery oh bloody hell yes <laughs> um, so, so so i i had mad time that was a seven car entourage he was he was another level celebrity yeah uh, after um gloria estefan she was my favorite wow um, yeah. kevin costner clint eastwood George yeah. Bush Senior, President Mitterrand, just bonkers time. So, uh, sorry, carry on. No, I was just thinking, if you ever got in a taxi, you would just win. You know, when they say, you would believe what I've had in the back of my cab, but <clears throat> come on yeah, then. Uh, yes. <laughs> I know, well, at least for a certain generation, because, you know, yeah. my, my son's saying, they don't know, so, um, but, but then for 90s, people it was yeah. just just astonishing the people I looked after wow and did you speak a lot of French to these celebrities well um yes and no so uh, you know the idea of spending your year in France was mm. to become fluent in French and this was an American French company um okay. which kind of had a sort of a, a very much a bilingual mm. bias depending on who your boss was and yeah. so I, yes, I, I improved my French. I became fluent-ish in French. Yeah. Um, but at the end of my year, I wrote to Manchester University saying, can I have another year? I'm learning lots of French. <laughs> 
and they wrote back very nicely and said yes and then I never went back oh um so a couple of questions one what did your granddad have to say um he was fine but he kind of still forever he still lived another I don't know 10 years after that decision and he went to his grave wishing I'd gone to university so that but he was an older generation and and that that was that you know is a it's a minor regret of mine um yeah. but um there you go hmm. I, I, and in terms of the now you wouldn't have left with nothing if I've got this right you would have had some credits or something yes yeah, so, so so I even explored at some point open university um mm. to sort of to make my granddad happy so I've yeah. got the points somewhere filed away somewhere so yeah. um but but sadly with my what what I've got um I haven't talked about it is um multiple sclerosis which is mm. a um it's a it's an autoimmune disease that attacks your central nervous system, which means mm. that anything of you can be infected because your right, central okay. nervous system goes everywhere. So my brain is affected. So I have cog fog, which, you know, mm -hmm. brain, messy thinking, and also short-term memory loss. Um, mm. So I would really struggle to, you know, I one, I'm 55 anyway, mm. so I think the study would be hard work. But with my brain... It's mm. not really an option. So I, I got, well, three quarters of a degree. Mm. <laughs> and, and so as you've kind of touched on um, your MS and, and that diagnosis, when does that kind of come into your life and how did that intersect with your career? Where, where were you at at that point in your life? So my first symptoms were around about Michael Jackson times. So, right. so I had... Um, pins and needles right down my left hand side mm. for three days solid wow. um, so intense that I called them nails and needles but they yeah. went away and I was you know 23 or whatever mm. um, so I ignored them being a bloke yeah. uh, and uh, carried on with life about three four years later I started having issues with my bladder mm -hmm. um, which meant rushing to the loo and sometimes not making it Mm. And I didn't consult anybody about that and right. um, convinced myself I was some kind of, it was a hidden sect of men that just every so often had accidents and didn't tell anyone. Right. Uh, and then I had um, erectile dysfunction, floppy willy, which yeah. funnily enough, I did go to the doctor about. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and... Um, uh, I had an injection down there, mm -hmm. um, got um, an erection the size of my gear stick. Right. <laughs> and um, to the extent that I then had to drive back into Paris to the specialist to get some blood taken off my willy. Otherwise, oh. because, because of the pain of the size of yeah. the erection. And he said, well, it's all in your head. But it, which he, he was kind of right, but in okay. the right so I still wasn't diagnosed and luckily the blue pill was just um, um, yeah. invented or coming onto the market and yeah. I got on with life so I wasn't so at the same time oh. I was still living in Paris yeah I was moving I, I had my year 
looking after celebrities had led me into a comms PR career because of the you know exposure to TV crews and uh, yeah. um, uh, journalists and radio and everything else. Um, so I did a bit of TV production. Mm-hmm. I appeared in two Belgian video pop videos. Wow! As an extra in the park, um, and uh, I met my wife in 1999 she was working for disney as well she thought i was gay (laughs) and you weren't (laughs) Um, and um, we came back to the uk um after a a six-month honeymoon and i was fast forward a bit because this is too long waffle um i was working for Dixon's retail in yes. 2007 as head of their PR department mm-hmm. and I was diagnosed with MS we had one child yeah. and I was diagnosed with MS and do you think when you mentioned that um you know Vi- Viagra had been invented so that because that dealt with a symptom then that I guess that you didn't have anything else that was cause for concern in such an urgent way (laughs) i'm probably really ballsing this up but i wonder if that uh, yeah i don't know i think i've asked the question i'm not sure how well it went (laughs) um yeah i uh i i don't have any regrets that i wasn't diagnosed because there were so few treatments around at the time yeah so i was blissfully unaware with a couple of embarrassing things going on yeah um, yeah and so when when you were at Dixon's and working in or heading up PR um what was that like to have a job of that kind of seniority and then to have a diagnosis and to take that to the to your employer did you feel well supported did it change how you felt about work yeah um yeah so no it didn't make me feel different about work at the time I'm one of the minority of disabled people who had a brilliant experience with my diagnosis and my progression and ms is a progressive disease um so um two good lessons for colleagues and friends out there and managers the two bits that i could point at when i was diagnosed i went away for a couple of weeks to drink to punch the wall to cry to hug my wife and our first son Mm. just to try to you know recombobulate Mm. and the team around me while I was away researched MS both the symptoms I might be having Mm -hmm. the future I might face Mm -hmm. and the psychological impact I would have yeah and that meant that when I came back they were open to talk to me and mm. to joke with me and to carry on with me as normal. Mm. Uh, whereas some of the wider group of people at Dixon's never spoke to me again. Wow. And this happens when you are diagnosed with cancer, when you yeah. are grieving. Mm. Some people are brilliant, mm. others drop away because they can't be bothered with the awkward conversation they're all they're too 
scared to say the wrong thing so they yeah. didn't yeah and my close colleagues were just brilliant so i could carry on and yeah. just some people in the wider organization dropped away from my life forever wow and that's i'm afraid that's what happens to people in dire straits they they get mm. not deliberately neglected not many people are evil about it it's mm. just awkward and they were rather would rather talk to people who were still dancing on the table with a tequila in their hand yeah and were you at a point in time did you have to need to request adjustments or did you think uh, when you were thinking about what was next for you at Dixon's did you kind of revise what your plans were um um no in the short term no mm. um i i was fairly naive about um this phrase that we can ask for reasonable adjustments mm. um i don't think i particularly needed any right away mm. um but um uh, my ms was and still is fairly aggressive so mm. i moved down fast so i i can still remember the first day i walked in with a walking stick Mm. Um, then with crutches and mm. uh, finally a wheelchair. But mm. around about the, I think I was at the walking stick stage, my manager called me into, into his office and I feared this meeting because I was starting to struggle with fatigue, which is another symptom that's mm. quite heavily impactful on my life. Um he, I was expecting either to be moved aside to be made, you know, chief photocopier, right, over there in the corner, yeah, out of sight, out of mind, yeah, or to be given the guilty check, as in, thanks very much, Mark, you've been great, but sort of, yeah, mm. have a few grand. Um, what actually he said to me, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was roughly, Mark. We love what you do. Mm. You're great. But you're starting to struggle. What can we do to create a role that will help you um, deal with your illness, but will continue mm. to help the business? Mm. And social media was emerging as a ah. I was talking to the same journalist who I, I was doing PR with on mm. Twitter and reporting back and dealing with a, an active CEO on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> they made a role of head of group social media. So uh -huh. that wasn't, you know, retweet to win a washing machine. Or, <laughs> um, uh, so, so we sold some, some sexy stuff like iPads, but frankly, yeah. you know, um, made lots more money out of washing machines and whatever. Yeah. Um, but... Um, Oh, sorry, I lost my track there, which is one thing that happens uh, with... Uh, no, so I, I was um, corporate PR, so results, yeah. issues, nagging mm -hmm. my CEO to tweet mm -hmm. because he was often in stores and his store loves pictures of them with their CEO. Um, yeah. And um, he became the most followed CEO on the FTSE 100 on, in Twit on Twitter. Wow. Now, I didn't tweet for him, but I nagged him. So I yeah. take 
I think I take 60% of the credit for that. Yeah. Um, without him having to create a scandal, I guess, without, as well. <laughs> well. Well, exactly, exactly. Um, and, and he's now in, he's now the CEO of Boots and a lovely chap. Nice. Um, well, I just have like warm, fuzzy feeling about Dixon's. Um, so what took you from being in the corporate world? H how did you navigate your way into becoming a, and you say public speaker, but you are a professional speaker because people pay you to speak. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So complete career pivot. Um, how does that happen? How do you make um, that happen? Yes. So, so I went from 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 fun and games yeah. to consumer PR, actually corporate yeah. PR because I, I it tended to pay more money, and yeah. then social media because of my condition and because of the imagination and creativity of the company in supporting mm -hmm. me, and then at some point I had to go to the company i've been there 11 years and even with all the adjustments that have been made for me social i they had made me um four day week and still paid me five days by the way so there was nice a, that was lovely um mm. but i couldn't cope so i went to them and said look i need to go mm. um and um they gave me a very generous severance package and I wrote a lovely piece, well, as if, I, as if I can say what I wrote, but I wrote a piece on LinkedIn that went viral, um, thanking Dixon's and yeah. outlining those three things, you know, the support when I was diagnosed, the support when I progressed, and the support mm -hmm. in departing. And it got 875,000 views. Wow. and led to various opportunities including a very part-time role for an ms charity called shift.ms right which mm -hmm. kept me in a little bit of pocket money but also got me on the campaign trail right okay. um, and as my ms progressed and i accepted the word disabled to my vocabulary um i started i sort of spread out from ms to being a disability person mm. and then spread out to from disability to being a diversity speaker yeah. um and you know i know that not everybody including elon musk likes dei um, <laughs> um but a lot of people do and mm. a lot of companies realize that particularly younger potential employees and potential customers look for diversity in a company to shop with them to work for them mm -hmm. and so um i found i found a market for myself mm. and um i suppose i've got a, a couple of questions um you have children two sons two two sons 18 two and 13 sons. 18 and 13, right? Okay. Now, they may not choose to listen to this. <laughs> if they chose to listen to you, um, and they probably do, because you're probably a much better parent than I am, um, what would your advice be in thinking about, given the career that you've had to date 
and your experience of the education system, what would your advice be to to them or to young people that are looking out into the world of work? Um, well, first, my rules for my children um, are two. One is work hard. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much they do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and be one of the good guys. Um, now, I think that's a very good one for parents because it kind of mm. covers off most <laughs> most naughtinesses anyway. But I, yeah. I think, but it but it's also just outlines just how well I was treated when I was diagnosed, how, how well the company and my colleagues dealt with me, and mm. we're all going to go through hardship. And that's a very important line to me. In terms of um, adv- career advice, um, I have nothing against university. I have nothing against not university. Mm. I would encourage people to follow their passion over tradition. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> That's your next TEDx talk. There you um, go. <laughs> right. I'm at, right. I mean, you're copyright, obviously, but I'm writing that one down. Uh, that's really nice. Really nicely put. Um, I've just come up with that. Yeah. Um, See? Yeah. And that's because I've been so, I've just been so lucky. I've just been so lucky and continue to be. And mm. um, in everything I do, and I think that's partly because I have followed the fun and what I care about and interesting jobs. Mm. Uh, okay. So, yes. okay. Now, I was going to ask you what I, I do ask guests, what has held you in good stead? And I wonder... If that's your answer, if there's anything you would add, following the fun and what interests um, you, I, I no, I, I think I've kind of covered it. Um, mm. I would also say, um, sadly, a bit of luck, mm. because um, disabled people are less likely to be employed and going to be paid less on average. Mm. Yeah, and I've had a senior career. Um, I was lucky that I've got the gift of the waffle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I was lucky to meet my beautiful wife. Mm. I've got two great kids. Mm. I, I oh, just luck is. Uh, I'm afraid luck plays a part, but I think mm. seizing the opportunity, carpe diem. I'm sure yeah, you've yeah. had that before, but yeah. I've just always. You know, sorry. One one final story in luck mm. that has has just shaped my whole life was I was on my way down to a ski season, mm. and I was at Gardu Nor with my backpack on, mm-hmm. and I saw an advert for recruiting for Euro Disney opening, and uh... I delayed my train and went for an interview. And the rest yeah. is history. So, yeah. So um, it's it it is definitely seizing the day. It is yeah. th- there's opportunities that you may regret, but you probably won't. And, yeah. and you'll regret it the other way if you don't give it a try. 
I think that's fantastic. Um, so thinking about what stage you're going to put yourself on next or what might be invented next because Hero Disney was, was launched at a timely point in your life. Social media happened when you needed it. What is the kind of next thing you have on the horizon? What, do you, what What's your prediction? Well, um, I, my MS is very advanced now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am depending on technology to sort me out. Yeah. Um, so I've got a... Um, I've got the various gadgets I use, including a, a bit of an exoskeleton on my legs that can, oh, wow. it's a, it can use to, it, it's a blow up one mm. um, uh, sort of flexi material that will pressure my legs. Um, I have um, a very funky off-road wheelchair yeah. uh, and a standing frame that I can stand in every so often because that's when you're at butt height your whole life, it's it's kind of hard work. Um, so I'm very excited about technology um, and what that will do for me because I take endless pills and treatments. I'm on a chemo trial at the moment. I may be on placebo, but the way I'm wiped out, I suspect I'm on the real thing. Right. Um, but that's just to help the next generation because yeah. it's too late for me really i've got i've got you can see me waving this hand this is i cannot hardly lift this hand and my legs yeah. are gone so i've got one limb left mm-hmm. um so i'm just trying to take stuff to stay alive and healthy and happy um mm-hmm. but also looking for the f- next generation to have their ms either cured or just stopped as a oh dear you've got ms take this drug and you'll be fine um yeah. but for me technology so something to help me walk that kind of thing really excites me Mm. and i will put a link in the show notes to where people can follow you on linkedin because reading you documenting some of the things that we do professionally and personally i think is just i don't know it like like you're you're creating this kind of i suppose uh, legacy or path for you said the people that the young people that come next um and i think just like re- reading what you have to say about that is so like enlightening um what would you kind of what would you like people to do i guess as a closing comment what what do you think people could do more of be better at where would you direct the listeners i would direct them i'm going to go back to being the good guys i'm going to say look out for people who are struggling um i think we're in a mental health crisis post pandemic we're all worried about the world we're worried about well most of us are worried about climate change um some of us are very ser- seriously ill. Um, some of us are grieving, and we don't do enough to look after people. Whereas often it takes just a phone call or an email mm. or a WhatsApp to just say, "I'm just checking in." And I'm, you know, personally, I'm checking in on 
Jewish and Muslim friends at the moment, just because I don't know the solution to this horrible thing going on, but I know I want them to know I care. Mm. And um, I think that's very important in life. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. It's been such a pleasure to spend some time with you and um, thank you for <laughs> kind of, uh, sitting here with me for an hour and sharing your story. Um, it just, yeah, loves having you on. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks.